So glad you're with us tonight. I want to just give us a few words of context and maybe direction as we embark upon this 40-day journey together. The time of Lent is a time of uh, great intentionality for us as believers. And ideally, we're always intentional in our relationship with God, but we model this after what we see in Christ, is that there were moments and there were times when he withdrew and where he focused specifically on his relationship with his heavenly Father, and the 40 days in the desert was one of those. And so over these next 40 days, kind of the challenge for us is to pick up something or maybe lay something down and focus in new ways and in intentional ways on our relationship with our Heavenly Father. The resource that we have uh, to help you do this is our Lenten guide. I'm sure you've probably already picked up one of these. If you haven't, we have some tonight somewhere. They're somewhere over there, uh, just floating around somewhere. Um, There's a lot of different options in this. The goal is not to necessarily say do them all, but the goal is to ask an important question of your Heavenly Father. How do you want me to engage over these next 40 days? Bearing in mind that all of our lives require at times a refocusing on the things of God. Lent is kind of a new thing for us, or at least the official celebration of it. Uh, Ash Wednesday service, I think we're only a few years into having Ash Wednesday services here. Do you all remember, I think it was our first one, we almost burned down the building. Um, we did not, though, yes. Uh, we, we made it out. We're, we've revised our plan. We're going to do something with fire tonight, but it's not nearly as dramatic. It's going to work just fine. Um, And you may be like me, learning a little bit about Lent, or maybe it's something that has been a part of a spiritual tradition in a faith community you were involved in. If you know one thing about Lent, you probably know the fasting thing, right? Uh, Famously, a few spiritual traditions give up things like meat or alcohol for the 40 days of the Lenten season, um, and, and that is how they observe this time of intentionality. There's a lot of variations on that theme, but I just wanted to point something out as we step into something with maybe some new disciplines and traditions in our life. Tradition can be so good and so rich and so anchoring for us, but sometimes after the repetitive nature of it, we can lose connection to what originally gave it life and it becomes something different. So a, a spiritual tradition can become a routine to us or it can become like a penance, something we do because we gotta make up for all that sinning we've been doing. Or it can become kind of like a, a spiritual contest just to prove how devoted and serious we are in our faith. And there's something to a lot of those ideas, but I wanna say something generally true about all spiritual traditions and disciplines. If a tradition doesn't connect us more deeply to Jesus, it doesn't have a lot of spiritual value. There may be other value in it, but if it doesn't connect us more deeply to Jesus, it doesn't have a lot of spiritual value. And that's true with any tradition we observe throughout the year. It's true with any spiritual discipline, praying, reading the Bible, fasting, whatever it is. Believe it or not, because of sin in us, all of us are capable of engaging in those things in ways that don't actually connect us more to God. We can engage in those things just because it's a routine or it's about our pride or maybe it's about our shame. And none of those things are the reason why we've been given the spiritual disciplines. They exist to connect us more deeply to Jesus. And if we don't do them in that way, I'm not sure there's much worth in them. Now, of course, the answer 
is not to just stop doing all spiritual disciplines and traditions, but the answer is to find ways to engage with the freshness that connects us to Jesus, to continue to find Jesus every time we engage in them. And I think to do that, uh, we, we have to have these moments where we slow down, where we attune to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, where we reflect more deeply on what he's saying to us. One of the tools we want to use to do that over these next 40 days is a tool that Jesus gave us, his parables. Um, I think the parables are an incredible tool that forces us to slow down, that forces us to think a little bit more deeply. Uh, you, You probably know what a parable is. If you don't, it's just these little stories that Jesus would throw into his teaching, and they were rich in imagery and in spiritual truth, and he would throw them out there, and then here's the crazy thing. Oftentimes, he would just stop talking, like that was it. He would tell the story, and that was it. And the idea was that the listeners would think about it, that it would provoke deep thinking, that it might spark a question in the heart of the listener. Sometimes it would force people to consider things in new ways, like the the parables were like this tool that he used to kind of shake us out of the routine and get us to see God once again. And I I think they did that in his day and they can still do it in our day. And so what we want to do over these next 40 days is just reflect deeply on some of these stories. We're calling it the gospel in 12 stories. Uh, We're going to start in the middle of Luke where Jesus just starts hitting us with one story after another story. Um, And they're all very rich. Some of them are going to challenge us and they're going to be hard to hear. Some of them are going to be very comforting. Some of them are the sort of stories that are just timeless, and they will stick in your mind for the rest of your life. Uh, Some of them you may already know because they've already stuck in your mind. But all of these stories, I think, will challenge us to slow down and re-engage in more intentional ways with our Heavenly Father. I want to give you two of these just to frame the Lenten experience tonight. Uh, They're both from Luke chapter 6. Story number one. Here it is. Jesus says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the stories are going to get a little bit more complex. This is more of an illustration, right? Like a metaphor, but it's considered a parable. And it's a simple truth Jesus is pointing out. The the truth is simply this. Uh, What matters most is our heart. What matters most is our heart. Because whatever is in there is eventually going to come out, isn't it? And I think this is such a challenge for us, uh, for all of the behavior modification systems that we might employ or that we might try. Uh, He's saying if if you do something and it doesn't change your heart, it doesn't really matter. There's not going to be lasting change. And that's a caution for us, I think, sometimes when we're tempted to just grab on to a discipline or a tradition as a routine Um, as the answer to our spiritual life. Think of something like fasting. Does fasting change you? Not necessarily, right? That's what Jesus is pointing out. If it doesn't somehow change the heart, a spiritual tradition is not necessarily going to change who you are. 
It's not that those things are bad. It's just that when you're up against the human heart, something else is needed. A work of the Holy Spirit is needed to change the heart. So that's the first story. Here's the second, and it's very much connected to this first idea. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They're like a man who building a house, or they're like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and doesn't put them into practice is like a man who built his house on on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now they're very simple truth, right? Very obvious truth, but one that we're tempted to overlook. And it's just simply this, what is underneath will determine what happens in hard times. He's saying there's something about this that's connected to his words. And there's somehow, there's a way of taking his words into our life that changes us in a foundational way. That it alters the base of our lives. But he also points this out, doesn't he? His words don't have to change us. He says that's possible. It's possible that we can just listen to them and like them and say, amen, brother, that's a good point, and move on, and they don't actually change us. But he says, if we let them, if we take them in, if we put them into practice, they will produce in us this stability and this unshakable quality that's going to persevere. So I think both of these stories are highlighting a risk, and I think it is the risk of all spiritual disciplines and of traditions like Lent or like anything that we observe on a regular basis. The risk is this. There is a way to take the gospel and spiritual things and keep it external, right? To incorporate it into the outer rim of our life without ever letting it really touch our heart and change who we are in a foundational sense. And then there is this other way that he's talking about where we really let it in, we embrace it, we give it space, we give it time, we allow it to rebuild us. And Jesus says, well, that's really the better way. That's what you're you're after anyway, is that sort of life. Let his words grow in our heart and let them become foundational to us. You know, as we step into the Slinton season, um, the caution is this, if, if we're fasting, during these next 40 days, great. That is a wonderful thing. Let us not fast because it's a good thing to do. Let our fasting be about what he's talking about here, really internalizing and reflecting on his words so that they take seed in our heart. Maybe you're going to focus on something else, uh, Bible reading or prayer or something physical. There's a whole host of things you maybe would never think about in the Lenten guide that could be a focus over these next 40 days. Whatever it is, there is an inner attitude that Jesus is pointing to here, one of slowing down, one of reflecting, one of really listening to the Holy Spirit, taking in the gospel again and again and again so that it gets inside of us and affects change from the inside out. That's what gives it real value. The call for Lent, really for all of life, right, is not to just add a good thing or a spiritual thing to your life. The call is to once again encounter the living Jesus, to to press 
pause so that we can see him, so that we can reflect deeply on the gospel once again and what it means for us and to allow it to shape us from the inside out. So tonight, the challenge is this. Tonight's a a time to reflect, to maybe make some decisions about the next 40 days, to declare with God our intention, to commit to him, to follow something, to put something into our life or maybe take something out of our life for these next 40 days. Uh, But the goal is that it would touch our heart, that it wouldn't just be behavioral change because there's no hope in that, but that it would be an internal journey. So tonight, tonight, we're going to declare together to Jesus that we don't just hear your words and say, that's good, amen, but we let them pass the surface. And we'll ask, what do they compel in me? How do I practice them? How do they shape me in new ways? So today, we're committing to together drink deeply of his stories and to allow them to change us. I want to give you a little bit of space tonight. We're going to worship a little bit, and then uh, we're going to hang out next door and spend some time together. It's a communal experience. Over these next few minutes of worship, uh, we've got a couple of experiences that you can participate in, and we want to invite you to participate in them, although it's not compulsory. Uh, You'll see three tables up here. Um, and I'm going to do this without falling. Hey, um, these three tables kind of represent the two big pieces of Ash Wednesday and of the celebration of it. The first is the making of the ashes. You may not know this, but traditionally the ashes were made from the palm leaves from the previous year's Palm Sunday celebration. Uh, And it is through the burning of those leaves that they make the ash that you put the cross on people's foreheads with. And so we thought we could just do the cross thing, but we also thought, hey, it might be kind of fun to invite you to participate in the making of the ashes. So this first table, we come up here, you take one of these palm leaves, and I'm going to show you how to do it in a safe way that doesn't catch your neighbor's hair on fire. Um, We're all going to be fine. Um, you hold it in the flame, and it's going to light for just a second. It's not going to stay very lit for very long. So we're just going to light it. You'll smell the smell. You'll see the flame. And then we'll place the lit branch in the middle, and it should go out. And if it doesn't, we're totally prepared for that, okay? So just... Take a deep breath, we'll be fine. Um, so that's the first part. And then you'll see these two tables to the left and to the right of me. And this is where you can go, and if you would like, uh, the, to have the sign of the cross placed on your forehead. What that represents, of course, is the sacrifice of Jesus. It represents our repentance, our turning to him, and it represents our mortality, that our lives are not forever. And so we are going to engage in those things that matter most. We are going to engage in those things that change our heart. So would you stand with me? I want to pray over us. And then we'll have a time of just collective worship and commitment to God. Lord Jesus, we receive your life. We're thankful, of course, for your sacrifice, and we confess our persistent sin of keeping it external, of thinking about it and moving on without really letting it in in ways that shape us and reshape us. And so, God, over these next 40 days, we commit to you to do that in new ways, in ways that are out of the ordinary. 
Lord, we commit to add something to our life or to maybe take something out of our life as a reminder of what matters most, of your love for us, of the forgiveness that we so desperately need. Lord, I thank you for this community and I pray um, that in some way that each person here would see clearly as you that over these next 40 days that you would just whisper truth to us, that you would just speak your words in ways that we just, just we needed to hear them. We trust that you can do that. We trust that you're eager to speak to us. And so, Lord, we give you these next 40 days as worship to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you're ready, come to the tables.